What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Amatel Like a TIS podcast with your host, your Shirley Jai. Shields got a good show here for you on this Mother's Day weekend, the year 2021. Here's the first, uh, here's we are now at the first weekend of the month of May. Get into John Means, who threw a no-hitter on Wednesday for my Baltimore Orioles. First uh, complete game no-hitter for my, for my beloved team in 52 years. Uh, first, uh, the first no hitter in general as for the franchise in 30 years since 1991. Get into the Dodgers, who, albeit, have kicked the hell out of the Angels on Saturday night, but in general, who has been in a major slump. Give you my two cents on the Dodgers, who have kind of hit a little rough patch here in this uh, young 2021 MLB season. Give you my two cents on Albert Pujols getting cut by the Angels as well. Los Angeles Lakers also uh, going through some uh, rough times right now. And uh, and I want to give you a, a little uh, comment, uh, my two cents on the latest as far as this Aaron Rodgers, uh, on this Aaron Rodgers saga is concerned. But first things, but first, things first uh, the Orioles did a thing. And not only did they do, and I'm not talking about uh, this past weekend because they because I, I they're lucky I'm t- I'm a, they're lucky John Means threw his no hitter threw his no hitter in between shows because if because of this no hitter would would have been thrown what if he would thrown his no hitter on Monday or Tuesday or last Sunday. I'd come on here and screaming and yelling my head off because of the fact that my Baltimore Orioles have not showed up so far in this weekend series at home against the Boston Red Sox in which they've yet to win a game this season. So that lucky that means there was no hitter when he did because if he didn't, I'd be going off for like the for the next 40 minutes on how disgusting, embarrassing, and disgraceful this team's performance has been in the last 48 hours. Well, because John Means is an absolute boss. Because John Means is that dude. Because John Means, future American League Cy Young Award winner. Because John Means is a future uh, baseball National Baseball Hall of Famer. Because John Means is going to be a future Orioles Hall of Famer. I will not do that here on this episode. John Means... Through a no-hitter on Wednesday. Can you believe that? A no-hitter on Wednesday. If you want his stats, in case you didn't hear him, 
Complete game, of course. No hits, no runs, 12 strikeouts, and technically, well, not even technically, but 27 up and 27 down. Now, typically, if you ask, and if you're not that, and if you listen to me and not that big of a baseball fan, if you're a casual baseball fan, you ask, well, if it's 27 up, 27 down, you know, the whole nine, the whole 27 outs in the nine, you know, why isn't a complete game? And I'll tell you why. Third inning, drop third strike. Pedro Severino gets somehow, so he doesn't catch the ball, it gets in between his legs, goes near the backstop, and the Seattle runner takes first base. And then he tries to take second, and Severino throw and Severino throws him out. So even though he might have reached base, which 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 ruins the perfect game. Although every Orioles fan, considering that the Orioles have never had a perfect game thrown in their history, and because and because it's their first no hitter of any kind in thirty years, and their first regular traditional complete game no hitter thrown by a starting pitcher since 1969 they're not going to quibble about it but a lot of Orioles fans uh consider that to be a quote-unquote perfect game 27 up 27 down no Mariner reached via hit walk error no excuse me no Mariner reached base via walk hit by pitch a hit in general getting a base hit or via an error by the Orioles' defense. Only reach once on a drop third strike, which is which is a finicky rule. Which you know, same thing. A, a little, which is which is a little similar to how, which is a little similar with the finicky rule stuff of how of how uh, Madison Bumgarner seven inning no hitter a few weeks back, uh, quote unquote, doesn't count because of those finicky rules with the Major League Baseball. Same thing here with the drop third strike thing. The only time, the only time the guy is automatically out on a drop third strike is if there's a runner occupying first base. That's it. But if there's nobody on base, which 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 I understand, I'm I'm quote unquote crying, and what does it matter? Because you only care because it messed up an Orioles perfect game. I get that, and that's a fair statement. But why not change it? If you don't have to throw the first base, and if it doesn't matter when there's a runner on first base, why does it matter when there's nobody on base? So. Just, just, just a little something, but it didn't ruin the absolute phenomenal performance by John Means. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that is absolutely just—I think it's fair to say—shocked the world. The left-handed starting pit, the left-handed starting pitcher out of uh, out of uh, the state of Kansas, who you know, who no, matter of fact, let me go ahead and while I'm pulling up, let me pull up because this John, you know, John, how you have like those have like those feel good stories. John means the feel good feel good story. Outside of the fact that his father passed away last year, um, see if I can read it to you in a minute. Let's see if I can find it. Find it, find it, find it. Oh, by the way, uh, it was the longest active streak in Major League Baseball in between uh, individual complete game no-hitters between John Means and Jim Palmer in 69. Um, let's see. Uh, well, you know, his his father died of cancer last uh, last year. Um, 
I give she's got to go way back into my likes, and I'm not gonna do that. But, uh, but he didn't get if I if my memory serves me. Let me well let me hell I can talk and I can walk and chew gum at the same time. Let me see because again I got no producers here, so I gotta. You know, it's just me. It's me myself and I when it comes uh, to uh, when it comes to this stuff. So I gotta literally scroll back about a good uh, three days, which. In t- which on Twitter is a this is a freaking eternity, but um, but he you know got li- got little to no got little to no offers, um, little to no uh, D one offers, and he 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 I I mean I don't know if you like the baseball if you're an Oriole fan you love that performance from him on uh on Wednesday afternoon. I mean just absolutely and it, was, it took place on my brother's birthday. Now my brother's Orioles fandom has waned a little has waned a significant amount cuz the team stinks, but you know, if John Means were through this no-hitter, you know, back 6 years ago in 2014, I mean it it would have made it would have made our year. Um it's it's just I mean it was a phenomenal performance and this entire year this year, this entire year, for that matter, he has been absolutely off the charts. He's four and zero with a one point three seven ERA, fifty strikeouts, a WHIP of zero point six seven, and forty six innings pitched. I mean, I mean, he literally is the is the one and only bright spot for the Orioles. For the Orioles, as far as the starting rotation is concerned, just go look at uh, just go look at the games uh, from the last two days against Boston. But he has had a you know he was very you know he was oh he was okay in twenty nineteen, uh, his first full year up in the show twenty twenty very spotty two and four with a four point five three ERA in the shortened season, and then this year. He has just been absolutely phenomenal off the charts. Opponent, his opponent batting average when John Means is on the mound is that is that his the opponents are hitting one thirty five against them. Only ten walks issued so far this season for John. Um, he's given up only five home runs, twenty one hits, and seven errors, or excuse me, yes, yeah, seven runs. Excuse me. I mean, he he he's been so phenomenal. For Baltimore this season, I mean, he—it's no argument, folks. He's the best pitcher on the team, and is very underrated because the Orioles are bad. Because the Orioles are bad, uh, Baltimore is no Philadelphia, it's no New York, it's no Chicago, it's no Los Angeles. So that's also part. That's also part of it too. Um, but he is very under. There ain't no reason in the world why this guy shouldn't make the All Star team, and if he keeps this up. Regardless how, regardless if the Orioles win eight, win seventy two games, or if they, or if they, uh, or if they lose a hundred and five, regardless if he individually keeps up, this uh, keeps up what he does, and essentially is either on the hook for a win or no decision, and keeps his losses to like below, at let's pick a number. If he has less than five losses throughout the entire season, and he keeps this up. And pitchers like like an absolute stud that this man's gonna be capable of doing for 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 this team for a long time. I let me tell you something right now. Let me tell you something right now. He ain't no reason why John Means A shouldn't be an All Star and B shouldn't finish top five in Cy Young voting. I'm serious. I'm if E if ERA is such a big deal like we do at the Grom this this man's pitching in a pitcher's ballpark in a AL East. Pitched for pitched for pitched in seven games has an ERA of one point three seven. 
I mean, come on now. I mean, you put this guy, and it's funny. You know, and it's funny. The year he got drafted, 2014, uh, 2014, which if you, you know, which if you are, if you have any idea, was which it was a phenomenal year, best year of Orioles baseball of my entire life. 2014, a magical season that year. Just think, if John Mean, if John Means would have gotten drafted five years prior, and he was somehow on that 2014 team, ain't no way in the world why the Orioles wouldn't have a world championship. Maybe even two today. Ain't no reason. The Orioles, the Orioles had one of the best bullpens in baseball, if you remember. Had one of the best offenses in the league. Could hit home runs left and right. Fundamentally sound. Great defense. Strong bullpen. All they literally needed was that number one certified bona fide ace to get him over the top. And I'm telling you something right now. Call me crazy. Call me living in the past. You put John Means in those 2012, 2014, 2016 Orioles teams and see and see if 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 not one, if one out of all of those three years, go back and sit up here and try to tell me and convince me that out of those three years I gave you, one of them, the Orioles wouldn't have wouldn't have not been in the World Series. Their starting pitching was their Achilles heel, but they, but they weren't terrible. They were mediocre. They were average, which is why they, which is why they couldn't win, which is why they couldn't get over the top. In the postseason, all you really need is one. Solid starting pitching that can get you five, six innings, hand it off to that beast of a bullpen, be able to hit, you don't beat yourself, and then and then give John Means the ball and tell him to go and tell him to go six and two thirds, seven innings, eight innings of one of one hit, two hit, three hit, four hit, five hit baseball. I mean, the guy has been absolutely phenomenal this season and deserves more love. And hopefully with this no-hitter that he threw on Saturday, on Saturday he's going to get it. More, he's going to get more love, more tension, and just and get more buzz around him every single time he takes the mound every fifth day. Because this guy, John Means, is the real deal. And if the Orioles don't screw him up or screw him over and they go about this the right way, ain't no way in the world why John Means can't be... Uh, can't be uh, the centerpiece of a future Orioles championship. Whether it be five years, seven years, eight years, who knows. But ain't no way in the world. If he wants to stay in Baltimore, wants to stay committed in Baltimore, and the Orioles take care of him properly, ain't no way in the world why, whenever the Orioles next win a World Series, why he shouldn't be hoisting up the commissioner's trophy with uh, whoever's on that uh, on that future championship team. But he has been at absolutely phenomenal phenomenal i mean you i mean you couldn't i mean literally he had a perfect game if it wasn't for a drop third strike he made made no mistakes made no mistakes ball was hit hard out to left and nearly got out didn't hell of a play in center field by Cedric Mullins with the sliding basket catch which uh, which you can you know say tongue in cheek saved his hide but I mean, he he's he's been off the freaking charts. I mean, he nearly I mean, he nearly threw a no hitter. You go back and look. He nearly threw a no hitter first game of the season against Boston. Want to go back? You want to go back and look at his game against? Uh, go back and look at his game opening day against Boston on April the second. Seven innings of one hit baseball, no runs, five strikeouts. First game of the season. You can't get any better than that. Next start against the Yankees. Okay, four and two thirds. He goes four and two thirds. Only gives up one run. Okay, fine. Against Seattle, five. Run, I think that I think that might have been a doubleheader game. I think 
Um, if I'm not mistaken, five innings, five hits, three runs. And he walked two batters. So to his they worst started the season. Then start against Texas April 18th. Seven innings, three hits, no runs, nine strikeouts. That Saturday afternoon in a Globe Life Field where uh, DJ, where Michael Franco forgot how to run the bases properly. Then the 25th, last Friday night. Six and a third, two hits, one run, six strikeouts. Or excuse me, that was the that was the uh, that was when they played them um, in Baltimore against Oakland that Sunday, the 25th. I apologize. So later that week, that Friday against the same opponent in Oakland this time. Seven innings of three-hit, two-run baseball, nine strikeouts. Completed the month of April, 3-0 and with a 1.70 ERA with 38, with 38 strikeouts, seven runs allowed, 21 hits. And then goes out there against Seattle on, on Wednesday, pitches his ass off and throws a no-header. I mean, what a remarkable, remarkable, remarkable performance from John Meese. And as an Orioles fan that hasn't experienced much, that hasn't experienced as many as uh, great moments with this franchise, that is up there with winning the pennant in 2014, Game 2 ALDS, the Delman Young double in 2014, and the 2012 wildcard game against Texas as one of my favorite all-time classic Orioles moments where it may, where where the moment is so big that it makes you proud to be an Orioles fan so, so, something I never will, first first no-hitter that this team's thrown in my lifetime that's for sure last complete game no-hitter they threw my mother was 3 years old going on 3 years old and no hitter in general, it's been thirty years. Complete game no hitter. Go back all oh, you gotta go back to nineteen sixty nine. It's a long time for a team that had that I think still holds the major league record for the most twenty twenty plus win starters within one pitching staff. And keep in mind they won champ they went to World now they went to the World Series in sixty nine and lost to the Mets, but they also went to went to the World Series in seventy, seventy one, seventy excuse me, seventy, seventy one, and seventy nine, and eighty three with top notch starting pitching and didn't even throw a no hitter in those championship years. And John Means throws a no hitter. One of the, one of the best moments of my Oriole during my during my lifetime during my life as an Orioles fan, I mean absolutely fantastic, and a moment and a moment I'll never forget, moment I never ever 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 as long as I live will forget. I mean, I don't understand. I don't see how you don't put it as one of the greatest Orioles Oriole moments of the twenty as, uh, for the franchise in the, in the twenty first century. I mean, I, I, I don't I don't see how you, I don't see how you do that. I'll find I'll find that John Means thing because it's a, I'll get to it after 
after my first break. But John Means, a phenomenal, fantastic performance. He's pitched his ass off all season. Uh, if he keeps it up, if he keeps it up and keeps doing what he's doing, again, ain't no way in the world why he shouldn't be A, on the AL All-Star team in Denver this July, and B, a, and, and second, ain't no reason why he sh- he shouldn't be in the in the thick of things as far as AL Cy Young is concerned. Because this guy is pitching. This I understand rebuild whole nine yards still. You know they they go. There were plenty. Of, there were plenty of great pitchers that you know finished high in Cy Young voting, if not won the Cy Young, who pitched on teams that stunk. If John Means keeps this up. He he ain't a reason why he shouldn't be considered top five if top five if not top three in Cy Young voting when the dust settles at the end of the season because this guy is freaking phenomenal and absolutely sensational. He's our he he you watch if you watch any in if you watch any amount of Orioles baseball this season it doesn't it, you don't have to be Jim Palmer to look at this guy and 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 just to say right off the bat that he is our ace. He is our ace. Something that the Orioles legitimately probably have not had since Mike Mussina left back in the 90s. But he is our legitimate number one bona fide clear-cut ace. That if we had a game to win for our life, to, for the sake of the franchise, lose the game, the franchise is defunct. You win the game, the franchise lives to see another day. Game 7 of the World Series with the Faded Universe on the line. Ain't nobody... In that Orioles locker room, that Orioles clubhouse that I, that I that I wouldn't want to give the ball to first, other than John. Did I screw up that damn friend? There, if there's not anyone within that Orioles clubhouse, that Orioles locker room, that I wouldn't want to give the ball to more than John Means in that scenario. Game seven, ALCS, Game seven, World Series. I want John Means with the baseball. And I'm telling you, you can call me crazy. You can say whatever you want. I'm telling you right now. You put John Means on that 2014 or 2016 Orioles team. Well, 2016 is a little, it's a little different because you know, Buck show up with the whole thing. Leave the 20 because I'll use 2014 because they got to the ALCS. You put John Means on the 2014 Orioles team, and I'm telling you right now. The Royals are not making it to the World Series. I I I am willing to I am willing to go out without fear of contradiction, go right out and say, you put John Means on the 2014 Orioles, Orioles winning the whole thing. And probably going back to back if they if they keep Nelson Cruz around for for, for the next year. But I mean, I, I don't, know, I don't, I don't know what else you want me to say. I mean, one of the more remarkable po- pitching performances I've ever seen by anyone again in my lifetime in an Orioles uniform. Best regular season pitching performance by far. I mean, I mean, technically the the get the man threw a no hitter, or excuse me, threw a perfect game. No one in Orioles history has yet to throw has yet to throw a perfect game. John Means is the only one that's come the closest. Greatest regular season pitching performance in Orioles franchise history. Hands down, no doubt without fear of contradiction. Phenomenal performance by John Means on Wednesday. Absolutely phenomenal. Hats off, tip the cap to him. Just a 
keep it up, man. Because I, I tell you, you, no matter how bad the Orioles are as far as bad hitting and the truck and they don't give me. I'm not trying not to get myself all rotted. I'm going to a rant, but the great things about having John Means on this starting pitching staff is that you know that regardless how bad the Orioles got how bad the Orioles got beat if they lost the previous night or the previous game you knew that when John if you go you see that John Means is getting the ball today you know that it don't matter who you're playing you got as better you got as best a chance as anybody as your opponent to win the baseball game just because John Means is pitching. And I think the I don't have the numbers in front, but I think that he has like excellent run support too when the when the Orioles when when he pitches too. I mean they they're not the Mets where they struggle to score a run. Now not every game when he pitches, you know, they'll win they'll win six nothing. But they 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 rake a little bit when John Means is on the bump. Because uh, I know, and I, I don't ask anybody this, and I don't know anyone within the Orioles clubhouse or the manager or coach, anybody. But I can just sense that that team has a little extra, has a little extra oomph when they play, when they know that John Means is their starting pitcher for the game. They put a little bit more extra passion, a little bit more extra, extra fire. And truth be told, with a team that's rebuilding like this, you need Desperately, desperately need a player that's like that. You you need that player. And if the Orioles are in a position where they're looking to compete, whenever it means his contract goes comes up, pay him every freaking nickel he asks for. Don't screw this up, Orioles. You have something in John Means. You have something. Take advantage of it and seize the opportunity while it's presenting itself. Fantastic job by John Means. Look up and see if I can get you this uh, this information on him as far as his background is concerned, the feel-good story and all that good stuff. Take a break, get to the Dodgers next, and Albert Pujols getting cut. This is the Yum Taylor Cotillas Podcast with Josh Shields.
Welcome back to the Amatel Like a TIS podcast. Sticking with the baseball now, but going uh, switching gears to the Los Angeles Dodgers, who have been in a little bit of a rut right now. But before I get to them, just to, real quick to finish up on, on uh, John Means. No D1 offers out of high school. 11th round draft pick was c- considering leaving the sport in 2018. And now he's cemented his place in Major League Baseball history. Pretty freaking cool. And then, you know, and then Wade Miley, the former Oriole, threw a no-hitter for the Reds against the Cleveland Indians. Cleveland Indians, second time this season. We're only a month and a week into it, uh, into the new season, and already have gotten no-hit twice. Carlos Rodon against the White Sox and against Wade Miley there. Uh, pitching for their uh, interstate ri- for their uh, Ohio State rival and Cincinnati Reds former Oriole, he threw a no hitter on Friday night. Four no hitters this season, uh, and then just via the Elias Sports Bureau, the only time the only time in MLB history with four no hitters through May seventh was in nineteen seventeen. They had five no hitters at this point in the season. That's a little uh, nugget for you all there as well. But switching gears to the Dodgers who, albeit smacked the living crap out of the Angels on Saturday night, but heading into heading into Saturday night's game against the Angels, and just in general, they have just, they've hit the, they've, they've hit the wall, you know, they've won, they've won outside, they've won uh, four games at a last, you know, uh, matter of fact, I wrote it down last night, and I don't, so I don't have to rely off of memory. But the Dodgers have uh, struggled uh, big time. They have won. Stand by. They have won, or excuse me, they have lost 14 of their last 19 games, including Saturday night, uh, which is just, which has just been absolute, which has just been crazy. You know, they've lost 14 of their last 19 games. Beat the Brewers. After losing a, a series to them, a four-game series that they played, they got swept in Chicago at Wrigley Field. Uh, of course, they uh, they they and this all started when they uh, and this all started when uh, when the Padres came into Dodger Stadium and when the Dodgers thought they were going to have a nice little uh, weekend series sweep against uh against the Padres at home in Dodger Stadium they choked the they choked away a 7 to 1 lead and they allowed the Padres to come all the way back and win the game uh 8-7 on that Sunday night game they lost two out of three at home against the Reds like I said they went back out on the road this is now their most recent road trip uh, that they're on right now they had four at Milwaukee they've lo- they lost three of those four games they got swept in a fo- they got swept in a they got swept in a four game series against Chicago in uh cold and frigid and wet and rainy Wrigley Field and then on Friday night they get absolutely destroyed by the Angels who choked away a 3 to 1 lead against the Rays on Thursday night uh, bullpen bullpen stinks, allowing the allowing the Rays to bat around in the allowing the Rays to bat around in the inning to take a uh, I think they I think they ended up taking a uh, eight to th- eight if not nine to three lead against Los Angeles in uh, Anaheim Stadium on a Thursday night. 
They allowed the Angels, who were heading into that game on Friday night, were currently riding a five-game losing streak. They allowed the Angels to go absolutely crazy and beat the Dodgers 92 on Friday night. And then the Dodgers respond on Saturday, absolutely kicking the absolute dog crap out of the Los Angeles Dodgers to get off their little uh, four getting ending their little excuse me uh, five game lose uh, losing streak of their own. But they have they have not played phenomenal baseball. If you want to go back, want to go back and look at the games that they look at the games that they have played as of late. Good, you know what I mean. You just go back, just go back as recent as the game on Friday against Los Angeles. Uh, Julio Arias, five innings, uh, got knocked around all over the ballpark, gave up two home runs, gave up eight hits, five runs. Uh, and then, of course, Joe Kelly comes in, our uh, our, our favorite reliever the, out of the Los Angeles Dodger bullpen, gives up, pitches two-thirds of an inning, gives up uh, four runs on five hits of his own. And, and they just get smacked around all over the ballpark. They allow Justin Upton to go deep. They allow, you know, Mike Trout goes nuts. I mean, just an absolutely pitiful performance by the Dodgers on Friday night against the Angels who have just been an absolute skid. I mean, let's go go back and look at the Chicago series, uh, the series before. Yeah, they had they had to play a double they had to play a double header. You know, the two seven inning had to play two seven inning double headers. As somehow, somehow I I ended up losing uh my uh, spot on my computer here. Uh, so just bear with me, and they're going to, and the Dodgers' record right now, uh, in case you forget, is eight is eight is eighteen and sixteen. They're only two games above five hundred, tied for second place in the National League West, while their hated rival uh, San uh, San Francisco uh, Giants are sitting pretty in first place at at uh, at twenty and uh, at twenty and thirteen. But if you want to go back to the Chicago series. I mean, I mean, look, they combined, they got outscored by Chicago, uh, seven, they got outscored by Chicago 17 to nine in their four game, in their, uh, or I should, we'll check that. I don't because it's four game series, let me make sure I get this right. They lost game one, they lost the first game of the doubleheader seven to one. Kershaw, shortest inning, uh, shortest regular season outing of his, uh, of his illustrious career. He w- did, he got one inning of work, four hits, two walks, four runs given up by Clayton Kershaw. He got the, he got the axe. Santana came in and gave up two runs of his own, of course. And then Visa coming out of the back end of the Dodger bullpen. Uh, and then not to mention the Dodgers couldn't hit, you know, Mookie Betts for a perfect example. Uh, you know, he went two for four that day. But, you know, Seager, Turner, Max Muncy, uh, A.J. Pollock all went hitless against Chicago, against Chicago and Kyle Hendricks the other day. And they, so they they just they have not they have not played well. The the bullpen has been a complete disaster. The starting pitching has kind of has kind of hit a rough spot. Mookie Betts is just now starting to break out of his slump and to start hitting again. Uh, you know, so it's just turn. You know, Seager. It's they've just been they. You know, which is bound to happen. You know, this is the same team that lost. Uh, you know, that lost a, a good chunk of their remaining whatever it might be. Uh, Amount of games and to close out the 2017 season, they went on to go to the World Series. So, take it for take it for what is worth. 
And I let Anthony Rizzo walk off single in the 11th inning. Again, that, the, the uh, spotty Dodger bullpen rearing his ugly head. Mookie Betts didn't help him much in their last game against Chicago, going 0 for 6 with three strikeouts. Uh, you know, uh, Matt Beatty went hitless in the game as well. Uh, Walker Bueller, he pitched, you know, he pitched well, but Blake Tryon, Tryon, Tricking, whatever his name is, gave up a, gave up a run, uh, gave up a run in one inning of work. Jansen, again, wasn't, wasn't, a, wasn't good either. Uh, they've just, and then Clevenger, who got the loss, came in, pitched two innings, pitched two thirds of an inning, gave up two hits, two runs, walked two batters. I mean, or excuse me, walked one batter, struck out two, I apologize. Two-thirds of an innings pitch, two hits, and two runs given up. So their bullpen, their bullpen has been, their bullpen has been spotty. Their starting pitching isn't, isn't what it was to begin the season. And like I said, Mookie Betts just starting the hit after he was in a good little slump for the last uh, four to five days heading into this series, uh, heading into the freeway series against the Angels. This upcoming weekend, but in the Dodgers' case, for the Dodgers' sake, it's a long season. It's 162 games, not 60. It's only May, you know, it's only early May, so they have plenty of time to get themselves together. Tread water, still stay above 500 by winning at least one game every three to five, every three to five days or so. Uh, early season, so they're still, you know, they got the rest of this month, all of June, all of July, all of August, all of September left. They played solid baseball for, you know, three-fourths of the month of April. They, so the Do- And the Dodgers are one of the best teams in baseball on paper, and they're also the defending World Series champions. They should be okay uh, as far as uh, their tight, as far as their repeat chances is, are concerned, the only frustrating thing is just imagine being a Dodger fan, knowing what this team's potential is, knowing what they're capable of, and for whatever the reason, they're just not coming through. They're not hitting the bullpen when they had when they had when they do hit and they do have leads. The bullpen uh, regurgitates it all up and essentially throws it throws everything the offense did by the wayside. Starting pitching isn't and shouldn't is excuse me, isn't as strong as it should be. So it's just they've had many issues, many issues, which again, hundred, you know, they, everyone, and they had that very high over-under total, if you remember, to begin the season. But, you know, there's a reason why, you know, the, great, the greatest baseball teams of all time don't go undefeated because it's such a finicky, finicky uh, season, long season where anything can happen and, you know, and you and there'll be many a nights where you don't, you know, you can win over a hundred games, but when you win over a hundred games, there's going to be about fifty some odd nights out of the hundred out of the hundred and sixty two games that you play where you don't where where you simply just don't have it. You beat yourself, errors, your pitchers walk the ballpark. Uh, you can't hit, can't drive in runners in scoring position. Your bullpen blows the lead. Starting pitcher a la Kershaw can't get out of the first inning or can't make it past the second or the third inning. So for the Dodgers' sake, it's a long, se- it's a long season. They should be, uh, they should be um, okay uh, heading, on, uh, heading uh, down the line. But, you know, is it time to panic if you're the Dodgers? No. I mean, does it look good that you're in third place and barely hovering or above 500? No. Is is it bad that you got swept in a road series against Chicago Cubs who many people thought weren't going to be 
uh, that good this year? No. Good you lose a road series against the Brewers? No. Is it good that you lost in your last homestand? You know, you blew the lead to the Padres, you lost the series to them, and then came right back and lost the series to the Reds, losing the first two of those three games against Cincinnati? No. You you know Mookie Betts not hitting for the you know not hitting for the most part a lot of offers is that good no uh, Kershaw not getting out of the, you know not going deep against Chicago the other day good news no bullpen with Jansen we're aware of that but still not any not, not no no fan of any team likes that news but but and for their sake they still got. Plenty of baseball left in the season, so for the for the Dodgers' case, for the Dodgers' sake, excuse me, they should be a okay. They they should be as long as they keep tre- treading above the five hundred waters and essentially play the winning championship baseball that 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 they are that they have the capability and that they have the capability of doing. The the Dodgers should be okay. They, they, the only, only thing though is that Mookie Betts is having way too many games where he's not getting a hit. You know, highest paid player on the team, you got to give me a little more, uh, Mookie. I, he's, he's a great player. I, I say better than Mike Trout. And it's the center piece and the focal point in that final piece of the championship puzzle that finally got him over the lump last year. But he can't, he can't have too many, if not, if not, he can't have too many, if at all. Games, especially in a row, where in the hit column next to his name in the box score, he's got a big fat goose egg next next to his next next to his last name. Why in the frickity frick I cannot speak? I don't know, but it's kind of pissing me off, and I need to get myself together. Uh, Jai, come on, you're live on a show, recording a show. Let's talk like we got some sense. We know how to put sentences together. Let's go, but. We can't have uh, many overnights as far as Mookie Betts is concerned. Speaking with the Los Angeles baseball sports scene, Albert Pujols was got cut by the Los Angeles Lakers. Los Angeles Lakers. Los Angeles Angels this week. Um, the on uh, th- on th- Thursday, I believe it was. Um, you know, signed a ten-year deal prior to the 2012 season with the Angels. Did not did not live up to uh, did not live up to what he did in St. Louis. Um, as for with the Angels, he hit uh, he hit with the Angels two fifty six two he had two fifty six with the Angels. Do I have that right? Two fifty six with the Angels on base percentage of three eleven, slugging of four forty seven, OPS of seven fifty eight. He had. Four Two hundred twenty-two home runs with the Angels, seven hundred eighty-three RBIs, and eleven thousand uh, and eleven thousand one hundred eighty hits with the Los Angeles Angels in their in that ten-year period. Compared to what he did in St. Louis's first eleven years of his career, and arguably his his best years as a as a star, that's going to get him into the Hall of Fame. Granted, he hit his five hundred and six hundredth home. His three. He granted he got his three thousandth hit, five hundred and six hundredth career home runs as a member of the Angels. But the numbers that he put up while a member of the St. Louis Cardinals is why he's going to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he hit three twenty eight as a Cardinal, 
uh, hit over 1,000 RBIs, uh, 1329, 445 career home runs, uh, 2,073 hits, and uh, and uh, and uh, had uh, and 7,433 plate appearances in over 1,700 games for the St. Louis Cardinals. That includes a Rookie of the Year in 2001, many All Star, many of All Star game appearances, uh, a World Series championship in 2006 and in 2011. And uh, and uh, and I believe. He won, uh, and I believe does, and I be, and he also has won uh, the MVP twice or three times. So rookie of the year, six times Silver Slugger, two time World Series champions, won one by betting title, National League, uh, National League Rookie of the Year in two thousand one, two time Gold Glove, ten time All Star, three time National League MVP. And at four career, he's if, uh, career batting average two ninety eight, just below. Uh, three hundred. Uh, he was hitting one ninety eight with seventeen hits, five home runs, twelve RBIs. Uh, this season. Uh, for the Angels, he didn't. He didn't hit. He, he people very close to him say he's a very prideful, pride filled and prideful or pride filled. Pick whatever word works for you. Individual and how you know why keep me on the team at this point in my career where I'm planning to retire after this season. If you want to just keep me on the bench, why bother? So it sounds like this was like a mutual thing, although the Angels are taking a lot of flack because final year of his contract, he is he is going to go down as one of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time, uh, mind you. And it was, you know, he was very unceremoniously uh, kicked off the team, I guess, if you could say that. But as far as his career is concerned, getting back to that, 667 career home runs, 298 batting average, over 3,000 hits, 3,000 uh, 253 hits, 21, 12 RBIs, uh, OP on base percentage of 376, slugging a 545 for his career, OPS of 921. That's Albert Pujols' career stats. Um, you know, LaRusa said that the roster is pretty full for him to, if he wanted to reunite with his old manager up in Chicago. Where they put him if he wanted to go back to St. Louis for a swan song. I don't know where the Cardinals would put him, uh, but you know, it could be the end. It could be a very unceremonious end to a, a Hall of Fame career that did not have a Hall of Fame uh, caliber career as far as being a member of the Angels are concerned within the last uh, ten seasons or so. Danny back his first year too, and he only played in one postseason series. With the Angels, that was when they got swept by Kansas City in the divisional round in 2014. Uh, and he in a in a ALDS, he was he was two he was two for twelve uh, with uh, he was two for twelve. That's a 167 batting average, op- on base percentage of 231, slugging of 417, OPS of 647. So he had 167. And those three games against uh, Kansas City and the only postseason series he ever participated in as a member of the Los Angeles of the Los Angeles Angels. Um, so if this is the end for him, which I mean, judged by the team, you know, where are you going to put him? You know, go to the American League so he has the opportunity to play first base. 
or excuse me, to play designated header if he doesn't want to field anymore. Reunite with his old manager, but his old manager via, uh, this is a quote out of the, um, out of ESPN, uh, Roosh is saying how uh, you got to stack the White Sox lineup so there's really no hole for Albert Pujols to go. So, you know, where are you going to put them? Re- I mean, reunite with the Cardinals, and then you're taking somebody else's roster spot. Um, and then on top of that, of course, no DH. So it's going to be interesting to see if this is if this is the end for Albert Pujols and his, uh, and his uh, illustrious MLB career. Um, and if it isn't the end, it'd be interesting to also see where he ends up next. I mean, one of the worst contracts in MLB history. Signed him to the big lucrative deal, and was really ne- and was never, for whatever the reason, the same player he was when he was a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, you know, he, he had some moments in a Cardinals uniform, getting his three thousandth hit, five hundredth and six hundredth career home run. He did that in an Angels uniform. But as far as the big moments that he had as a member of the, like he had when he was a member of the St. Louis Cardinals, he really, he really, as that affected the team and not his personal uh, legacy as a baseball player within himself. He really, he didn't have any as far as uh, his career with the Angels is concerned. He, you know, he, you know, he didn't. All of it, all of his career defining moments outside of those milestones, the 500th and 600th career home run at 3,000. Outside of those three hits, his career defining moments are in are in a Cardinals uniform. And Cardinal fans can probably tell you that live in St. Louis is one of the greatest baseball uh, towns that this world, if, if that this country, if not this, the entire world has to offer. They'll say that, you know, they love Albert Pujols to pieces, but they'll say, you know, Albert, he may never say this publicly, but he probably, especially after what's gone down now with him and with him and the Angels and him getting designated for assignment and everything else, probably would say leaving the, leaving the Cardinals probably might have, probably was, is, was a, he made a huge mistake when he left the Cardinals. I mean, he's he's going to go down as one of the greatest Cardinals of all time, regardless. But considering that he could have been a Cardinal for life, and maybe no one knows for sure, but maybe would have had a better second half to his career as a Cardinal than than he did as an Angel and only playing in one postseason series. I mean, hey, I mean, who knows? No, and considering that the Cardinals played in a few postseason series after pool after Pujols had left, they made it. They heck, they made it to the world. They made it, they played the they played in the first ever NL wild card game the first year he the first year he was gone in 2012. Made it to the World Series in 2013. Made it made it to the NLCS in 2014 when they lost to the Giants and Travis Ishikawa's walk-off home run in 2014. Um, I don't th- they didn't make it in... F- I don't believe they made it in 15, 16, and 17. And then I know, of course, they played in the NLCS against the Nationals in, 2000, in 2019 and made the postseason for what it's worth in the 60-game shortened season in 2020. 
So and so the Cardinals have had some success since Pujols have had has excuse me since Pujols has had left the Cardinals, but making the argument if he's on the team, maybe they maybe they win that championship in twenty thirteen against the, against the Boston. Maybe they make it to the World Series in twenty fourteen and twenty nineteen. They get it to they get to the doorstep in the NLCS. So. They've had some regular season success and have made some deep runs in the playoffs since his departure, but you, but you always want, you always ponder the what if factor that if Pujols wouldn't have left if he would have stayed, what if this happens and that happens and this that and the other. But if this is the end for Pujols, he's had a remarkable, tremendous career, just as, just as a whole in general, not with you know. Of course, his career, his uh, Hall of Fame, quote unquote, Hall of Fame worthy numbers are with the Cardinals, and he's had his Hall of Fame worthy uh, moments as far as the milestone hits and accomplishments with the Angels. But he just had an absolutely phenomenal career. Hats off to him. Props to him. This is the end. If it isn't, be interesting to see where he ends up going to spend the rest of. the 2021 season as far as uh, our Pujols' baseball career is concerned. Uh, take a break. Come right back. This is the Amatel I Can Tell You's podcast. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Back after this. One of the greatest songs of all time, hands down. Pretty sure uh, Mad Dog Russo's never heard of Bobby Caldwell, but that's not the end of that. As we welcome you back to the Amatelicatelius podcast, where I thought that because of the fact that they were kicking their behinds when I was talking about them and their recent losing skid, and I was afraid because about a few weeks back I did an episode talking about how the Dodgers essentially had hit a skid. And they came out and they beat the crap out of whoever they were playing the Wednesday before the the Wednesday before the NFL draft, and they won the I think they were on riding a four game losing streak, 
I think it was the last one was they were playing Cincinnati. They were riding a four-game losing streak, and then they, and then little, and then unbeknownst to me, they had a day game against the Reds getaway day on a Wednesday afternoon. And I go on and on and on and on about the Dodgers' struggles last four games, only to find out that they beat the Reds pretty handily. So which pretty much defeated the whole purpose because one of the main, it was a short show. I didn't discuss that many things as far as segments are concerned. And one of the main primary themes of that show was the fact that the Dodgers were struggling right in this four-game losing streak, yada, yada, yada. Then I find out, I up, I hit the upload button, and then, the, and then I say that the Dodgers took their business against the Reds that same afternoon, unbeknownst to my knowledge. So... So, which, you know, made me look bad. And who's going to listen to an episode to listen to a guy harp on a team riding a losing streak when they just won a game, when they won a game early, you know, earlier, you know, yesterday, earlier that day, whatever. So I go on here and I try to do it again and harp on the fact that the Dodgers have been, again, struggling as of late. And they were beating the crap out of the Angels while I was talking about them. They had, they had gotten a... It had gotten a 13 to nothing lead by the time I started to talk about them. And then I, so then, so I, then all I, all I had, all I had to do is simply talk about Albert Pujols and all of a sudden what looked like an absolute runaway and a murder quote unquote for the, in favor of the Dodgers beating the crap out of the angels for, you know, and finally getting off this, you know, little funk that they've been in. Lo and behold, and basically giving them their 18th win. Right as I'm recording this, their record is their record is 17 and 16, a game above 500. And I was willing to say, well, the, well, I'll probably, you know, by the time this episode, by the time this episode gets out to you all, this game will be over. You know, they'll win the game. They'll be 18 and 16 by the time Mike and EOC is listening to this. You know, during his uh, Sunday, during his uh, Sunday morning walk out there in Orange County, uh, reading about uh, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout in the L.A. Times uh, sports section with uh, Bill Plasky. But, you know, so I'd figure, okay, give them give them the win, although the game isn't over yet while I'm talking about them. Okay, what the well, I go back and I and I and I'm looking and I'm looking at looking at the game right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the Dodgers lead somehow, some way, shrunk to fourteen to eleven in the eighth inning. Now they may end up holding on to win this game, but still, the Angels had a four-run sixth inning and then a seventh-run seventh inning. They're they're bullpen. I tell if if the if the Dodgers don't repeat as World Series champions, it's going to be because of one thing and one thing only: their bullpen. Their bullpen. You cannot justify being a team that has high standards, that's supposed to be top of the NOS, best team in National League, best team in all of baseball, and your bullpen comes in back-to-back innings and, uh, and allows 11 runs. That, for a team that's looking to repeat as World Series champions, is inexcusable. Inexcusable. Can't, can't defend it, can't justify it, they're not rebuilding. They have World Series aspirations. The Dodgers up here, they're looking to repeat, get back to the World Series, win 100-plus games, win a division, play in the playoffs. And they're allowing an Angels team who was just 
dead man walking for the last five games all of a sudden make this an interesting ball game. Now up by three with two innings to go left for the Angels to bet and their bullpen gives up 11 runs in two innings. Absolutely remarkable. Remarkable. Speaking of another uh, Los Angeles team that won a championship in 2020, how about the Los Angeles Lakers? How about them? Uh, who have who themselves have uh, hit the wall and and maybe and the only thing that's worse and the thing that's worse with the Lakers is the fact that their season's wrapping up. The season is still young for the Dodgers. The, the Lakers season is uh, just about come to a close. But this, talk about another team that's absolutely hit the wall and has just fallen flat on its face over the last uh, week or so. The the the, the Lakers have lost eleven. Or excuse me, the the Lakers have lost eight of their last eleven games. They have lost. They have lost eight of their last eleven. Eight of their last eleven. They are now sitting as the seventh seed in a Western Conference. And if the season were to end today, or if May eighteenth was today they would go up against the 8th seeded Golden State in the play-in game. The loser would would have to pl- would have to play the winner of 9 versus 10 which would either be Memphis or San Antonio in the West and the winner would get the 7th seed and have to play number 2 Phoenix who's sitting pretty at 48 and 19. If the season were to end right now the Lakers would have the 7th seed in a Western Conference. And without the plan, would have to go through Phoenix in the first round. But with this playing thing, they got to go through Steph Curry and Golden State. If the postseason were to end right now, seventh seed, and they'd have to play in the plan. And they lost that pivotal game, pivotal, pivotal game on Friday night against Portland, one hundred six to one hundred one. Um, I mean, a game that the Lakers had to have. If they wanted to, if they wanted to avoid that playing scenario, they had to have that game Friday night against uh, Friday night against Portland. Anthony Davis played his played one of his better game played his one of the better games that he's had ever since uh, coming back from injury. He played um, thirty nine had thirty nine minutes, shot fifty two percent from the field, sixty six percent two of three from three. Uh, could you know, very spotty though at the line though. Ten of fifteen ain't gonna cut it. Uh, putting up thirty six points, thirty six points, uh, twelve rebounds, five assists, and a uh, and a block in that game for uh, for the Lakers. Absolutely played his played his uh, played his ass off, and it wasn't enough to bring the Lakers home. Uh, despite Anthony Davis's remarkable thirty six uh, game performance, Alex Caruso, KCP did what they could. Alex Russo put up 18 points. KCP put up 17 points. And how about Kyle Kuzma? I mean, my goodness, great. I mean, if LeBron James being out with this ankle injury over the last two months or so has exposed anything, is that Kyle Kuzma simply has simply does not belong. Maybe not. Maybe he belongs in the NBA. He don't belong on the Lakers roster. I know thirty. Please explain to me, ladies and gentlemen. Thirty-three points, or excuse me, thirty-three minutes played. He shot two of eleven from the field, 
arousing 18% field goal percentage, was 0 of 6 from behind the arc. 0 of 6. Four points, five rebounds, one assist. To put it in, as Charles Barkley would put it, Kyle Kuzma had a triple single on Friday night. I mean, my God. I mean, I mean, and 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 and, and, and I, you can say, "Well, Jai, you're overreacting." Jai, you're overreacting. Oh no, I'm not. Okay. Against Denver on May the third, thirty-one minutes, six points, six points, only took four shots, four rebounds, two assists. No, by the way, he had three turnovers against Portland, too. And that, you know, keep, keep that in mind as well. But he has been, I mean, he's averaging 12 points a game, six rebounds, one assist. I mean, and the Lakers have been without LeBron for the last two months or so. And you want to talk about having your time to shine and, you know, big boy step up to the plate. Kyle Kuzma's done nothing. Absolutely, positively nothing. He stinks. I mean, on Friday night, he couldn't throw the ball off a boat into the Pacific Ocean. He was so bad. I mean, how in the world do you explain to me going 2 of 11 Being on the court for 33 minutes resulting in four points. How is that? And 0 of 6 from behind the arc. He wasn't bad. He was abysmal on Friday night. Anthony Davis carried Kyle Kuzma's pathetic behind up and down the court against Portland. And a game that the Lakers had to have if they wanted to avoid... The play there, the uh, the playing tournament, a game that they had to have after they got absolutely walloped and embarrassed against the Clippers on Thursday night, when they lost by what twenty something points. I mean, you just it's just I mean, I, I listen. I understand that they won when they when you know, when they lost um what night was that when they lost uh let me pull it up now I tell you if you're late I tell you something right now I understand that they had you know a short off season as did as did the Heat but I understand they had a short off season and they've been banged up which has been their Achilles heel but. Boy, the one eighteen to ninety four against the Clippers on Thursday night. Now he put up twenty. Now he put up twenty five points on Thursday night. But what does it matter when you, when you can't score a hundred and you lose by double digits? It makes no difference. But the fact that in, in a must, I would say must win, but it was an important game that the Lakers had to win if they wanted to essentially not fool around with that playing scenario and end up missing the playoffs altogether. And he gives me four points uh, on the road against the Portland Trailblazers. Goes 2 of 11 from the field, 0 of 6 from behind the arc. Are we, are we kidding me, Kyle Kuzma? Really? The, the Los Angeles Lakers are in trouble. 
They, they are in a heap of trouble. Who knows when LeBron James is going to come back. He re-aggravated his ankle injury. And his team is only going to be but so good with LeBron out and just having Anthony Davis call the shots. I mean, go, go back and look at go back and look at the Pelican teams and uh, Anthony Davis's last few years there that he single handedly got to the playoffs and see how far they got, and then see and, and and see how and see how well they and see how well those teams were. With no LeBron James and even again with Anthony Davis coming back and he had a phenomenal performance on Friday against Portland. This team has a very, very, very low ceiling if LeBron James isn't A, healthy, and B, not on the court. A very low ceiling. Even if they somehow escape the playing game, if LeBron James isn't healthy, what, what, what can convince me that they can make it back to the NBA Finals? When they got to go through Phoenix, when they got to go through Phoenix, the Clippers, Portland, Utah, number one seed. If, if they're not healthy, Anthony Davis back spasms at the end of their, I mean, phenomenal job by him back to back. He leaves the game early with back spasms and then comes up the next night and drops 30 plus on the, uh, on the trailblazers heads, but in a loss, but still a hell of a, hell of a performance. Nevertheless, but they're in trouble if they can't somehow end the season. And I think they got let they got less, less than six games left in the season. Times are ticking. They, they don't. They, they they do not have. They got. They got. They don't. They have more of the of the regular season behind them than they do in front of them. So they they're in trouble. They are in a heap of trouble. I understand short season. I understand, or excuse me, short off season. I understand that's probably why all, a lot of these guys are banged up. I get all that and I understand all that. But you cannot convince me that the Lakers can make another run at an NBA championship playing the way they're playing right now, especially when LeBron James is hurt and plays about, what, a game or two back from back from an ankle injury Reaggravates it, and who knows how much time he's going to miss. They honestly could end up missing the playoffs altogether. And Kyle Kuzma putting up four points in a in a must-win game against Portland <laughs> late in the season on a Friday night. I mean, my God Almighty! Meanwhile, Damian Lillard drops his fifth straight thirty-point game against the Lakers in his thirty-first thirty-plus point game of the season. The Lakers are in a heap, heap of trouble, heap of trouble. And it's, I give, I, I mean, unless LeBron James comes back, I, I, the, the Lakers, quite honestly, in my honest opinion, Lakers might, might be screwed. And, I, and I'm being dead serious when I say that. Unless LeBron James makes a miracle comeback or or they do the impossible while he's gone and Kyle Kuzma gets himself together, Lake, Lake, you can you can throw out 2021 championship Laker Nation because 
you, you, you're straight up crawling to the finish line. Not walking, crawling to the finish line. And one element I want to get on the board before we say goodbye to close out the show um, is that it turns out that it was Adam Schefter that essentially leaked that Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to go into great details and bore you, but apparently it was Aaron Rodgers who leaked the information, uh, or excuse me, it was Adam Schefter of ESPN that leaked the information about Aaron Rodgers being unhappy and all the intricate details and all that other sort of stuff on draft night a few hours before the draft, not Aaron Rodgers. So me, along with probably many other people dragging Aaron Rodgers for damp, for essentially blowing up the these young athletes' spot on draft night, my apologies to Aaron Rodgers and his camp Turns out Schefter was the one that essentially took it upon himself for whatever the reason, clout chasing, clicks, whatever stupid inane reasoning he can give behind it uh, to Dan Patrick like he did a few days ago. He was the reason why, which which I which I really don't like. You know, if it was that important, why didn't he say something, you know, the, that Friday that Friday morning, uh, you know, Wednesday to third, instead of us breaking down what quarterbacks are going where and, and all these boring and, and, uh, and, um, mundane mock drafts, we could have been breaking down Aaron Rodgers' whereabouts for days upon and heading into the draft. Why didn't he break it then? Why didn't he wait till after the draft? The fact that he waited a few hours before is very unbecoming, to put it nicely. Uh, so it's he to blame, actually, not Rodgers. So my apologies to Rodgers for getting on him last Saturday and even a little bit on Wednesday uh, with Ian. But it's just, it, it ain't a bad look for Schefter. It isn't. And, and, and it kind of, not kind of. In my eyes, it it hurts his reputation as far as uh, journalism etiquette and good sports journalism is concerned. Sitting on sitting on information that he knows is going to rock the football world and going to provide all this topic and all these hours and minutes and days of of nonstop conversation surrounding this. And instead of him coming out and having the integrity and having the maturity, I guess, if for lack of a better word, to a certain degree, to come right out and say it right at the time, instead of sitting on it for ratings and clicks and, and clout and all this other extra garbage, and he releases it and makes us a huge thing a few hours before the draft. So, you know, J.C. Horn, the son of former Saint wide receiver Joe Horn doesn't get the attention as one of the best cornerbacks uh, coming out of the draft in the first round last Thursday. Instead, we got to hear about Aaron Rodgers' whereabouts and him demanding wanting out of Green Bay, Wisconsin, and wanting nothing to do with the Packers. And it, is it the GM? Is it the coach? And we got to play this huge, long-winded guessing game as far as why Aaron Rodgers 
wants no business with the Green Bay Packers organization in 2021 and beyond. So, blames. I guess you know you can point the finger at Schefter for making this a for making this a huge thing around the draft, not Aaron Rodgers. So, take it for what it's worth. Uh, Schefter has to live with that, not me. Uh, but anyway. That is my thoughts on the Lakers. Had to get that little snippet about uh, Rodgers and Schefter off my chest as we close out another episode of the Amateur Like a TIS podcast. If you like what you heard and you're new to the show, please subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram if you haven't already, at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatelit underscore podcast and the show on Twitter at Amatelit under, underscore it TIS. It's your boy, J Shields. For you mothers out there listening, a few of you that are out there, have a happy Mother's Day. Y'all stay safe, get vaccinated, y'all take care, talk to you Wednesday. See ya.